It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Okay, UFO, and good morning to you. It is Thursday. It's 503-228-4101. Your moments away from Tim Riley at the news desk. Coming up today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, joining us from New York City. And I hold in my hands right here. The worst story you're going to hear all day. And by worst, I mean uh, most fantastic. Also most off-putting, also most horrifying, also most compelling. You mean worse. I'll just say that it contains this phrase. Everything was covered in slime. My child was trying to put one in his mouth. There you go. Bam. Think on that. It didn't happen at Chuck E. Cheese, I take it. Well, Tim, you'll have to wait to find out. If I tell you everything now, what motivation would you have to listen later? That's true. That's what I'm talking about. Carrot and stick, my friend. I'm Carrot. He's stick. We're Carrot and stick in the morning. Uh, also, life continues to get worse for John Edwards, which you really wouldn't think it'd be possible at some point. you think there'd be some sort of... I mean, this sort of personal attrition of his would reach a, uh, some sort of sedimentary layer at the bottom. And He's it someone else who's covered with slime. Yes, he is, Tim. Yes, he is. Uh, all right, Kelly Clark from the uh, Willamette Week will be joining us here in the studio. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and another pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain. He's going to be at the uh, Keller on May 29th. So we have uh, those uh, going out the door today, as they say. Seeing a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, was busy either fighting wildfires or covering the fighting of wildfires or some such. But in any event, we have uh, nice houses are burning. Well, well, that's why it's important now, Tim. Yes, it is. It wasn't important earlier, but now it's a matter of state interest. It's Santa Barbara, for goodness sake. So, regardless of whether Jim Roop is able to uh, to comment on it directly or not, we have some of his filings from CNN about two things. One, Miss California, which lets you know it's going to be a fantastic news day. And two, Michael Jackson. So, there you go. And three, lawsuits about the above two. And Bristol Palin and her dad. Be the more Bristol Palin soundbites? Oh, we get we get ten morning shows full of Bristol Palin soundbites. <laughs> uh, coming up later on, Sarah Dillon will have Lost in 408 uh, with us. It's 503-228-4101. Let's pay a brief visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. All right, you get your wish. The recall begins for Sam Adams. Really? Yes. No way. Now, I was to understand that they had to wait until his six month, the six months of his serving in office. That's what I was uh, on Outlook Portland the other day. He will be in office six months before activists can collect signatures starting yesterday. They're allowed to collect public donations with a campaign. Uh, okay, so they can collect signatures. They can't actually do the recall. Cause mm-hmm. Ed, I had Anna Griffin kind of late from the Oregonian lay this, this whole thing out to me. Right. Uh, and she was explaining that it was, and then they can't actually do anything once they've started the recall, I think, for another three months after that. So the upshot is I think it's like October before he could be, you know, before they could be yanking him out of there. Absolutely. All right. Our second biggest story, Lake Oswego woman is suing a local upscale hair salon after they claim she ruined her hair. Sarah Jane Ward claims she was coloring her hair a platinum shade and receiving three scalp bleaching treatments. Shortly after that, she noticed clumps of her hair were falling out. <laughs> Ward said she had to resort to using hair extensions and felt ugly. Why? Okay. She's <laughs> why from Lake Oswego. Why do you? Tim says as though that precludes ugliness. Maybe she's only ugly inside, Tim. But why would you need your scalp bleached? Anyone? Sarah? Your scalp bleached? She mm-hmm. was having, that's what he says. She had her scalp bleached three times. Why would you, why would you have your scalp bleached? I don't know. Is that like women who have their, uh, you know, their whatnot bleached? You know what I'm talking about. 
So she wants $50,000 for humiliation, depression, and the cost of hair extensions. If you have your, I mean... That doesn't, I've never heard of anyone having their scalp bleach. Is that because, ever. are you having your scalp bleach because there's some sort of, like, it's it's clashing with your hair somehow? That sounds retarded. I don't know. I don't I've know never had a scalp bleaching before. Oh, don't lie. I, I would do home scalp bleaching behind closed doors if I did. <laughs> it's a shameful secret. <laughs> really Give me some of that borax. <laughs> His deepest shame. <laughs> scalp bleaching. John Edwards got scalp bleaching. I'm just picturing the Inquirer sort of uh, like shooting into your bathroom window with a telephoto lens and you're there just dumping some Clorox on the, uh, on the top of your head. All right. Well, I have to write this down so I can look into it. Scalp later. bleaching. Scalp bleaching. In Lake Oswego. Do, uh, it's one, the newest trend. One more here and then we'll get uh, caught up. Well, an armed pharmacy thief struck again in the coup, but this time, no, they didn't want money. They wanted drugs. Apparently, a clean-shaven white male, how do they ever find one, held up a Safeway at 2615 Northeast 112th Street in the Couve. He walked in, pulled out a handgun, and demanded a large quantity of Oxycontin. They believe it's the same man who robbed a, a Safeway at that same location. The suspect in that robbery also demanded Oxycontin. These uh, types of pharmacy uh, robberies are on the rise in the coup. Okay, uh, my final thought here. Here's how you thwart all these robberies in the future. I don't know why this hasn't occurred to anybody. The guy breaks in because this is the thing they always want. They either want Oxycontin or Oxycodone, which are kind of variations on the same drug. Um, I don't know why they don't just say, well, that's fantastic. Here you go. Don't shoot me. You can have the cash in the register. Here's some Oxycontin. And, you know, why don't you just take one now to take the edge off? You just have like, I mean, just like a little like how you have that take a penny jar. You have like a take some Oxycodone jar. They take it right there, get a good sneeze, they, you know, good snooze on, they wake up, the cops are there. Why don't they just keep it next to the chiclets in the Betty and Veronica comic books? I don't know the answer to that, Tim. It's Rock 101, KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Well, to appreciate that girl, you really got to put on your meth goggles. Only on Rock 101, KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. It's Thursday morning. It's 503-228-4101. In just a moment, we'll be joined by CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Later on today, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will be here and another pair of Anthony Bourdain tickets. He's going to be here the Keller on the 29th. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Thursday morning. Well, there are more disappointed chicken consumers. Oprah's chicken coupons cause a riot in New York City. A scab poos woman is charged with embezzling $200,000 from a puppeteer. Our good friend Keeper Sutherland will surrender to police in New York for headbutting a fashion designer and will be charged with assault. And there's controversy in Crum, Texas, involving nude pictures of a former civic leader. And in other news, puppeteers apparently have $200,000, which you could embezzle. So, yeah. You know, who knows? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Chorus. <clears throat> Pardon me. Correspondent to the star, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm fine, Rick. Uh, yes, hello, Steve. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. All right. You uh, Are you able to hear me on your end there? Is there a, some sort of weirdness on the phone? Nope, I hear you. All right, fantastic. How's life, my friend? How are things? Okay. Hey, have you ever undergone a stress test? Uh, how do you mean? Uh, there's any no, number. You know, test. really, here's the thing. This week, there's any number of answers uh, I could give to that question. Do you mean like where they put me in a room and they jab me with sticks or something? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, like when you get on the treadmill and, and they, you know, they, they push you to your limits to see how much your heart can take. Where they push me to my limit, I walk along the razor's edge? Yes, never, exactly. Never um, uh, no, I have not done that. I, uh, it, it, because I always just assume that I'm just, like at any given moment I'm a few days from dying of something horrible anyway, so I figure I'd rather just, that's information I'd rather not have at this point, so no. I hear you. So I don't know that calling this a stress test for banks is the wise thing, because it doesn't sound 
like they've put all the banks on treadmills and said, uh, keep pushing until you feel like you can't go anymore and you, and you might die. Well, because I think but, we're at that point anyway, aren't we? Isn't it just sort of, as the British would say, taken as red at this point, that they are uh, on the brink of financial doom and demise at all times? Well, yes and no. You know, all of, all of the news reports make it seem so, right? And then today we have the government stress test, and, and by the way, they're not going to release the results till after the trading day on Wall Street. They're going to let us know which banks are doing okay and won't need further injections of capital and which banks will need uh, many billions more. So I went down to uh, the stock exchange floor yesterday, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I don't do that often just because it's – I mean, you've got to go through all that security. It's such a pain. But anyway, I went to the stock exchange floor yesterday, and I spoke to a couple of traders down there, including a guy by the name of Jonathan Corpina, who works for Meridian Equity Partners. And I said, so, you know, isn't it true that uh, the, the – the, the toxic assets that we're talking about here with these banks is really just a very small segment of all the business the banks do, and he agreed. The fact of the matter is, you look at some of these banks, they are profitable. They are making money. We saw that in City in the first two months, City Group in the first two months of the year. Wait a minute. They're profitable? Why are we giving them all this money now? I, I was, don't understand. I was actually about to ask that question. So if that was the case, then why was I bent over about six months ago and it felt like the long rogering arm of the government uh, ex- ex- extracting any, uh, any number of dollars and cents from sensitive portions of my anatomy? You know, that was the exact reaction I had. But, but they say that even though it's a small portion of their, uh, their business, these, these mortgages that got them into trouble, it had the potential to have this uh, domino effect and a reverberating effect throughout the financial industry and the insurance industry. And as one domino fell, not just one, but two or three would fall after that. So that's why they felt they needed to backstop the banks. But, you know, I heard uh, one economist say that, that he felt that that was malarkey, that, you know, they should have let some banks fail, and then uh, the, the strongest would have survived and picked up the business. And it would have been much more painful, but the pain would have been... Uh, over a shorter period of time. So who knows? And it seems like that also would have been following the rules of, uh, what do you call that thing we have? Capitalism. It seems like that almost, that would have been following the rules of a free market economy. I mean, God God forbid. You know, Newt Gingrich, about a year ago, I, I heard him say, you can't have capitalism on the way up and socialism on the way down. You yeah. have to have one or the other. And please tell me that the guy you interviewed actually used the word malarkey to describe this. <laughs> he did not. No. Really? I picked that up from the Lower East Side, actually. Oh, okay, here's, okay, malarkey is a great word. Here's another thing you can be said. Cod swallop. Yeah, that's just a bunch of cod swallop is what that is. And then shake your cane at somebody and stomp off angrily. A cod swallop is like malarkey, but it's with different letters. I like that one. I have to add that to my uh, repertoire. Hey, um, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, speaking of all things governmental, so we seem to be reaching some sort of a, a the critical mass with this with the gay marriage thing because I I was talking to my wife about this and you know there's there's I think it's very I think people have this reflexive reaction when they're talking about government to say that government is constantly taking away more of our rights and government is getting bigger and encroaching more and we have all of ours especially here in portland which is just like filled with just uh, you know just stinking unwashed hippies all the time and is this you know our liberties are being stripped away with every passing moment the idea when i was i mean when i was a kid much less you know to I mean, even 10 or 15 years ago that there would have been a gay marriage legalized anywhere i mean it just would have seemed like an impossibility and now it's actually legal now in so many places i can't even keep track of it so just what is it? Just yesterday, New Hampshire and Maine voted in favor of same-sex marriage. Just yeah, Maine. Law- lawmakers in those states voted in favor of a bill in Maine with an hour of the vote to approve it and legalize it. The governor signed it into law. 
New Hampshire, it's not clear what's going to happen there, if the governor will sign the bill or not and send it back. In the past, he has said that he felt it wasn't necessary because the state already recognizes civil unions, and he's also said that he felt the word marriage should be reserved uh, for a union between a man and a woman. So it's not clear there. He hasn't tipped his hat yet and let us know what he's going to do. But uh, Rhode Island is the only state in New England now where a legislature has not voted in favor of a same-sex marriage bill. Here in New York, the sponsors of a bill hope to bring it up for a debate in June. All right. Well, so that's so that brings us to the to the total number of states now where it has either been signed into law or where the where the legislature has, uh, you know, has it created the law and, and you know, and sort of put it in, in front of the uh, executive branch's desk. So that is where we're like five, six, seven, something like that. We're at we're at six now. Let's count six. Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut and uh, Iowa. Oh, so we're at five. Wait. Iowa. Who would have thought that Iowa would be leading the way in something ever, uh, under any circumstance, that didn't involve the shucking of something? So Did I leave one out there? Uh, probably. Well, you know, and then there's like, uh, and then there's Oregon, where I just can't even, I can't even really ever it, it tell where it is, because Oregon is in this strange sort of legal uh, limbo uh, with the whole thing. So, all right, fantastic. It's really... I wonder if the, the Iowa vote had something to do with Matthew Shepard, you know? Uh, well, that is entirely possible. No, that was Wyoming, wasn't it? Although, Matthew right. Shepard is Wyoming. All right, now you got to keep your redneck straight, Steve. You know what it was? The, the W got me uh, confused in the in the names of the states there. Steve Kastenbaum, journalist. <laughs> All right, my friend, enjoy your day. We will uh, have speaks with you very soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, there you go, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. All right, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley at the news desk later on. Kelly Clark from the uh, Willamette Week and another pair of Anthony Bourdain tickets. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Say that. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. He's the Uncle Buck of CBS Radio. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. And I never know when that song is going to end. Because it does that ACDC thing at the end of just sort of looping the same chord progression and lyrics over and over and over. And then done. It is 503-228-4101. We are just ahead of Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, later on, our good friend Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be here. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain, who's uh, going to be in town later on this month. All right, I have to uh, read. Yes, I want to hear the story you keep talking about. Just a part of this. I have is really... this the worst story in the world? Here's, it's not the worst story in the world uh, because the worst story in the world is still the thing about the guy who died in his apartment filled with spiders. Uh, mm. And then by the time the cops found him, he'd sort of been taken apart like an old Impala. Or what about um, the lady who um, who was like 100 years old and had the 60-year-old fetus inside of her? That is also a bad story. I love that story. This is really only, um, this is sort of like when you go to Yahoo News or something and you can sort by the most viewed stories of today, this week, this month, or forever. This is just the worst story of today. This isn't like of all time or anything. I will uh, read this uh, okay, uh, to it. you in part. I've I boiled this down really just to its bare essence. This is from The Sun, which is the world's greatest newspaper. A family which has suffered infestations of up to 50 slugs a night for more than two years say they've reached the end of their tether. Nicola Bruce of Stanfields says she can no longer stand living in her council house and waking up to hordes of slugs everywhere, <laughs> while toys, furniture, and kitchen cupboards are covered in slime every morning. The 21-year-old who lives on Haywood Road with partner Thomas Jones, age 23, 1-year-old Reese, and 3-year-old Tyler, says council workers have visited 30 times over 30 months, taking up floorboards and fixing areas of dampness. But nothing has solved the problem, and Nicola now picks up bags of slugs every morning and bleaches her surfaces each day before allowing her children to come downstairs. Ms. Bruce said... I just did a like us there. That was the uh, Ms. 
Uh, Ms. Bruce said, quote, I noticed the slime soon after we moved in. Then I stayed up one night to see where they came from. And I couldn't believe the huge numbers of slugs that came crawling up out of the floorboards as soon as the lights were off. The council's been out 30 times to tackle the damp, but it's never worked. I went to their offices with a pillowcase that had been half-eaten and a jar of 20 slugs that I found that morning in the bedroom. Oh, my God. If I wake up in the night and I go to get a drink, I tread on slugs, and it's disgusting. I don't want to be here anymore. She added, we haven't been able to let our youngest son crawl in the house. We have to watch them every second so they don't pick up slugs and jam them into their mouths. End quote. Good morning to you. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. I don't know how to beat that. Well, it's uh, it's difficult, Tim. They are British. Except the Scapoose woman is accused of embezzling $200,000 from a puppeteer. This is in Scapoose. Uh, Jody Clem has been arrested. She's... Jody Clem. Jody Clem! This is Jody Clem of Scapoose. Get it off the porch! The cops say she took the money from Michael Curry Design over a span of several years. She worked for the company for eight. Police served a warrant on her home, and they found seized several items of evidence. The whole thing goes to the grand jury soon. This puppeteer company was established 20 years ago, and since then, uh, Michael Curry has achieved an international reputation. I was looking at his website. He's done things for the Lion King, Cirque du Soleil, the Win in Vegas, the Super Bowl. So, and, and not these kind of puppets like you put on your hand. <laughs> What kind of puppets? This is, this is, by the way, how Tim just depicted, quote, these kind of puppets. Well, well, initially, you said, how do you make that kind of money in puppets? You just sort of spasmodically clenched and unclenched your hand in my general direction. So, But those are the kind of puppets you originally thought that he made. Well, so maybe what kind he of makes puppets he puppeteer, I thought... They're huge puppets. <laughs> they're like life-size puppets. Tim was just doing like... Like an M with his arms, like YMCA style. Um, the, They're life-size things like you see at a Disney resort. But see, when you think puppet, you just think that idiot at the, like Sears who's holding up like a thing on his hand to get your spastic kid uh, to pay attention for five seconds so they could take his photograph. Or what's his name who was in the studio that had the talking jalapeno? You know what I'm talking about? What the, the I forget that guy. The, the, the comedian with the puppet. Oh, or, or the pit go puppet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not not so that much. Puppet's not worth that. But you're much. T- but this is all, you're talking like almost a Sid and Marty Croft. Yes, kind of thing. that kind of thing. All right. Well, see, I could see making two hundred grand with that. That's not so implausible. A woman has been trampled by a horse. Somebody called nine one one. They couldn't figure out. Some woman was uh, breathless. Apparently, she was trying to help a horse with a hoof stuck in the door when the horse oh kicked her in the head and then ran her over. Uh, so she's on the phone. So deputies eventually found her on the barn floor, bleeding from the head and vomiting. She was lamplighted to a manual. The uh, dispatchers did find her, though, so that was a good thing. Never try to help the horse. Let the horse help itself. Yeah, I mean, the, the horse is a huge animal, and it, a horse does have a temper, and it really doesn't know how much strength it has. Then we have uh, Ryan O'Neill running from the paparazzi saying, Stop chasing me. This is very interesting. Generally wanted, wanted to know how you're doing and everything. Don't chase me. Don't I'm chase not chasing me. anybody. Don't chase me. What are you crazy? Don't chase me. Don't what chase me, bro. I'm, I'm not chasing out, anybody. Out, man. Go ahead, knock me out then. If you're going to be that don't, stinky don't about it. Me. Stinky? What? I don't understand. Why was that happening just now? They were chasing him. Okay. It doesn't really sound like they were chasing him, though. It sounds like they were asking him a question, and he just bolted like a freak. Yeah. Where was he at when this happened? It doesn't say. Maybe he was uh, picking up his son, uh, Redmond. I was just... encounter. seemed like at this point, Ryan O'Neill ought to be happy that somebody is chasing him somewhere for some purpose. Yeah. I mean, really, it doesn't seem like too I mean, long ago that those days were... not been popular since the 1960s? <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, re- really, it's been like 80 years since anybody cared what Ryan O'Neill did. So maybe a little gratitude, hmm? So uh, let's uh, move along to the Palin cuts. We have two weeks' worth of them, and they're all fantastic. Wonderful. 
The first one is Bristol's dad, whose name is Todd. Todd Palin said... That baby was a mistake. Sharon Bristol's experience with other teenagers, you know, the mis- mistake that she had here uh, over a year ago, um, you know, if she could prevent one teenager from getting pregnant, it would be great. What a douche. What a just a well, colossal, you, massive douche. That what guy a nice breather at the end. He's like, mm. And so, anyway, I'm uh, going to go get me some cream corn from the cupboard. All right. So the worst part, uh, Bristol's dad said, now Bristol has less of a social life because of this baby. Well, she's, uh, we're very proud of uh, Bristol. She's tough. She's a great mom to, to trip, and uh, she's a hard worker. So, uh, And we're proud of her for taking on this challenge of uh, sharing her life experience with the responsibility that she has today. What she's missing out on today is just uh, activities with her friends were, were a lot simpler prior to trip's arrival, so, uh, you know, she's still adjusting to that. You know, her social life seemed to consist of humping a mouth-breathing soccer player Not before, being able so... to stay on her feet very long. Uh, yeah, I don't really... <laughs> what are your activities? Well, they involve lying down and being impregnated by rubes. What are your activities? So, maybe a little less social life would be a good thing for her, huh? Say, uh, Bristol, is that baby of yours a mistake? He's not a mistake at all. He's a blessing, but it's just a mm-hmm. lot of hard work, a lot sure. of responsibility. Okay, whatever you say. Like she's doing anything anyway. Well, I mean, wasn't she the one who was yesterday? It's a 24-hour job, she says, as she's in, like, the Good Morning America makeup room uh, being powdered. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll save the rest for later. It's always gratifying when your parents have to go on television and clarify that you are not, repeat, not a mistake. Right. Whatever anybody else may say, like your grandfather, you are not a mistake at all, ever. A uh, new friend of the show, Kiefer Sutherland, who allegedly head-butted a top fashion designer at a celebrity studded party in New York, will own up and surrender today. He'll be charged with assault. The actor, who was supposed to be in Toronto, will appear instead at the first precinct police station downtown. They're taking him downtown. Uh, he's owning up that uh, what he did, and he wants to spare everyone and himself a drawn-out affair. You, you think he committed some murder or something? He well, just headbutted some. Now, guy. So, what is the deal? Was it you said it was somebody bothering Brooke Shields? Some guy was like he slammed into Brooke Shields, and I guess she like stumbled or something. So he first told him, you know, to watch where he was going, and then I guess headbutted him. He seems to have a bit of a temper. That guy. He seems. Uh, oh my God, don't you love him? Well, I do, but Lucky I mean, he didn't headbutt you then. No, I'm just. Well, you know, that's because uh, that's because I was charming, Tim. So, you know, and it, it, look, it's not like we're best pals or anything. It but says it is, here he's a legendary for his occasional public drunken buffoonery. Well, he was just like the coolest guy, though. He was. I mean, we were, you know, you can hear this at KUFO.com, by the way. You can hear the interview that we were fortunate enough to do with him a couple weeks ago. He and Jude Cole were in town. And um, it's strange when, it is strange, though, when it, it, whether it's somebody who is a celebrity or somebody of note or whether it's just somebody you know, where you are talking to them. And then about two weeks later, you see them on the news. I had a roommate one time. That I don't. He got busted for something or other. He did something. It's many, many years ago. But he and he drove his car like over a mailbox or just some crap. And so then he was drunk and they were arresting him and it was a whole thing. And we were sitting in the living room. Whoever this guy Kurt and I were watching the TV and we're like, Hey, isn't that isn't that Ted? Isn't that Ted that we used to? And it was a guy that I I think we had just you know like we had been spending quite a lot of time with up until just a few weeks prior when Ted vanished. And apparently Ted vanished because he wanted it was time to go on a drunken bender of some kind. And then you see him on TV and he's being stuffed in the back of a car. It's always a little bit of a weird of a weird mind thing. But it's not as uh, uh, bad as it was a few years ago because I think back, I mean going way back to the to the nineties, I think Kiefer Sutherland had this whole thing where like. You know, my hobbies include racquetball and candlelight dinners and savagely beating anyone with a camera. Because every time he walked out of the house, they were trying to ambush him and what uh, the, the duck-faced Julia Roberts. Well, and all of his hot girlfriends. 
Yeah, well, and Julia Roberts, oh. uh, it, because they were some sort of a power couple and everybody was trying to provoke him into doing something violent, which proved to not be all that difficult. That so was a TMZ way of doing things. Seriously, I mean, that was... Stick someone with a poker. Oh, they're being mean to us. I mean, it was, it was really sort of like the... It was like the King Kong method of, of paparazzi, you know, where they would just, you know, they would just kind of have flashbulbs going off until he got angry and broke his chains and punched somebody in the face, which is what they started doing to Tommy Lee a few years later. So, all right. Well, well done, Kiefer. We'll all be right. back in a bit. It is the... Thank you, Tim. Our pledge break continues next. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Thursday morning, and there is no better way to start your day than with the Ramones. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Later on the day, a pair of tickets to see Richard Cheese is going to be performing at Dante's this coming Saturday. And also a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain, who will be at the Keller on May 29th. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Thursday. She's a senior wiener. We'll hear from the owner of the oldest dog in the world who turns 21. President Obama's dead mother has been baptized a Mormon. How does that happen? We'll find out. A couple of guys in Florida try to elude police by acting like girls. And an Arkansas man admits to living in a Pennsylvania family's attic without their knowledge. This is the creepiest thing about it. While he was living in their attic, this is the only little uh, slice of this story that jumped off the page of me this morning when I started scanning it. I don't know all the details, but I do know this. He was living in their attic. He lived there for like three weeks without being noticed. It was over Christmas time. And while he was there, he was typing away an essay about living in their attic and what he wanted them to give him for Christmas. It was like, <laughs> it's just like altogether weird. That's insanity. I swear to God, I'm not making it up. So uh, we'll get to that later. Our good friend, uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, as well as Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. All right. So I came in with two stories uh, clutched in my hands this morning, one of which we got to last hour. This was this, yeah, there's family in Britain that woke up to having 50 slugs a night infesting their home. Well, I dated a guy who um, slugs would come out in the middle of the night, and you did like we'd wake up in the morning, and there'd be trails all around his apartment, but no slugs. That's fantastic. That the best part, by the way, is when she says, "I went to their offices." Uh, this is the the council. This is the the, the, the sort of uh, governmental housing organization. So I went to their offices with a pillowcase that had been half eaten by slugs. I don't know what a, sort of weird Westworld post-apocalyptic slugs you have that are eating pillowcases. I mean, I always thought that slugs just ate, I don't know, air or something, or just sort of microbes or something like that that is sort of ill-defined in the scientific section of my brain. Now, you've got slugs that are actually eating cloth and dry goods in your home. Perhaps it's time to pack up and move somewhere else. Yeah, you know? that's a little freaky. That's when you kind of give up. Uh, so I've got that story. And then right here, and it was, here's the thing. You have to get up very early in the morning uh, to, to, uh, to get a story that Tim Riley has not already found. And I have this, and I don't think you do, Tim. I'm jealous because I do get up earlier than you, and I'm here before you. That's right, Tim. <laughs> and yet, every now and again, the good Lord smiles on me, and he hands me something like this from the New York Daily News, which is a decent paper, not quite as compelling not, as, not the as, good as the New York Post. Nothing is as good as the but, Post, But it's Tim. a close second. Well, the New York Daily News did not have the advantage of being founded by Alexander Hamilton. So, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's, they've kind of get they're coming from behind on this. This is from the New York Daily News today. Report. John Edwards' ex-lover... Is it Riley? Raleigh? Riel? I thought we said. I think it, I think it was Riel. I think we all agreed on that yeah. pronunciation yesterday. R- Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. We just have to agree on something. R. Okay, so Riel. R I E L L E. Riel. Are we saying it's Riel? Yes, it sounds very French. Yeah, I'd say Riel. All right, Riel. All right. It says here. This is from a Helen Kennedy, who was the Daily News staff writer. Just when you thought the John Edward sex scandal couldn't get any seamier. The ex-senator's former lover, Riel Hunter, furious at being portrayed as a stalker in Elizabeth Edwards' media tour, reportedly is 
taking revenge and will allow a paternity test for her baby after all. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right. Riel Hunter previously refused to allow DNA testing on baby Francis, born February 2008. Edwards, even after the admitted affair, insisted he wasn't the father. Her friend said they then hoped she had a, uh, I'm sorry, her friend said then she hoped they still had a future together and hoped to protect the philandering politician, always a losing wager, mm -hmm. from further ruin. But on the eve of Elizabeth Edwards' appearance on the Oprah Winfrey Show, which is today, by the way, to plug her new book, the National Enquirer reports that Hunter has changed her mind, as women are wont to do. Well, she doesn't want her social life interrupted and end up like Bristol Taylor. That's right, Tim. Now she can see there's never going to be a future with John, and she feels he's, wait for it, lied about his promise to keep Elizabeth from trashing her in the book. And inside, I don't think John Edwards is in a position to tell Elizabeth Edwards what to put on her toast in the morning mm -hmm. at this point. The Inquirer has had excellent access to Hunter. They're not the only ones, apparently. Including tips about where to catch John Edwards sneaking around a hotel in the middle of the night. The exposés drove John Edwards from the 2008 presidential race. Uh, last year, John Edwards denied he was the father and offered to take a DNA test if Hunter would let him. A John Edwards spokeswoman did not return messages on Wednesday. So that's fantastic. Did not return messages. I find that hard to believe. Just a, well, because it's like at a certain point with like the Hillary Clinton campaign, when you know when it became clear that Obama was just going to clean her clock, you would call and it would just ring and ring and ring, and you just picture like a card table with one lone phone on top of a phone that would never be answered, just sitting there in an office with you know like empty Cheetos wrappers sort of blowing around in the wind. So that's fantastic. So things will continue to be bad for John Edwards and amusing for us. Incredible. It's a good day to be alive. It is. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What? Man, it's Sarah and her Dylans. On Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thursday morning. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on today, we have a pair of Anthony Bourdain tickets we're going to be giving away, as well as uh, tickets to see our good friend Richard Cheese, who will be at Dante's this coming Saturday. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Thursday morning. Well, it looks like there's more than one living in someone's attic stories for us to peruse this morning. We'll be taking a look at that. A Clackamas a police officer finds a woman trampled by a horse. A Lake Oswego woman is suing an upscale salon after her hair snapped off. There were 45 cases of the swine flu in Oregon, but nobody cares anymore. Everyone's lost interest. I did, Tim. More disappointment for chicken consumers, but not in Minnesota this time. It's New York City. It looks like Oprah's chicken coupons don't work. Are we reaching some sort of chicken event horizon uh, in the news? It seems like we're... Uh, I'm trying to switch from chicken stories to living in attic stories today. Right. Are we making this a transitional period for us? Yes, I'm trying to get as many as I can. But we do have one chicken story, and it has to be covered. <laughs> the people must be told, Tim. The truth has to. The truth has to get out. All right. So is so is chicken the is this the interstitial story between swine flu and living in attics? Yes. All right. So it is the it is the middle step. All right. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. We're done with the swine flu. No, I've, I've I moved on like the second day. I was here's the thing. I was only excited about the swine flu uh, like the very first day that it happened, and that's because I was going to be on an airplane, and then I didn't die. And so if it doesn't concern me, it's not that important. You're listening to Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Thursday morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in just a few minutes this hour, more news with Tim Riley at the news desk. Imagine that. We will have tickets to see Anthony Bourdain, who's going to be at the Keller May 29th. Uh, tickets to see Richard Cheese as well. Coming up later on this morning, Lost in 408. This from Los Angeles, CNN radio correspondent and stylish man of the world. 
James Roop. Good morning to you, sir. How are you today? I'm very well. Good morning. All right. You are, well, just before we say anything, so you are off uh, probably as soon as we're done with this call uh, to cover those uh, wildfires that are sort of consuming everything down there. Uh, Santa Barbara, yeah. Yeah, so I uh, say hello to Dennis Miller's house uh, when you're there. It's, uh, <laughs> hope, it, uh, hope, he re- hope he escapes or this un- unscathed. Is this... Uh, is this early in the year uh, for these uh, wildfires to happen? It seems like it's typically later on, uh, more in the heart of summer, that these start springing up. Yeah, normally it's August, September, uh, October, November, sometimes usually into Christmas, but not, not much more than that. However, the past several years, fire season has been all year round. We've had fires in January, February, March, every month. And this, uh, you know, it's odd the governor just declared this fire awareness week, and it looks like we're aware of wildfire now. <laughs> done and done. Yeah. This is sort of like how there's no sweeps week anymore. It's just all year round. That's right. <laughs> well, at least we've got uh, Miss California to amuse us and make us yes. laugh. She may lose that crown, man. Oh, man. So, I, I, look, here's the thing. It, it's so deeply satisfying in 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 some horrible way. All of this, not even this. I mean, it's not even just because of her her opinions or, or the you know whatever thoughts she's voicing on the issues of the day. There's just this weird sort of um, insufferable smugness about her for reasons that I can't quite quantify. There's there's something about her that just resonates uh, poorly uh, within me. It's that Orange County attitude. Well, I think, but it is. Yeah, there's this this very there's this kind of. There is a sort of the uh, everything extruded from my body is scentless uh, vibe that comes off of her. Well, see, uh, you know, I, I, it all stemmed from that, uh, from the, the answer to that, the, the gay marriage question. But, you know, I think that was an unfair question. I think those kind of questions shouldn't be asked, you know, somebody competing in a beauty pageant, for Christ's sake. What? You know, they shouldn't ask them political questions. They shouldn't ask them policy questions or anything like that. Just, I mean, that doesn't make any sense because... Anybody who has an opinion is going to piss off somebody who has the opposite opinion. So to, to even put somebody in that position, in that position, is, uh, you know, it's kind of stupid. Well, and the only reason to really do it is if you expect that you're going to get some answer that's fantastically entertaining, like when they asked that Miss South Carolina or whatever she was about uh, something about American awareness of Iraq, and she gave that long rambling yeah. answer with a syntax. It was like some... It was like Burroughs' word salad or something, where you just chopped up a bunch of paragraphs that made sense and just sort of rearranged them in a brand new and exciting and altogether random order. Um, this wasn't even that. And I will say, by the way, in, in, I can't believe this phrase is leaving my mouth. In defense of Miss California, she does have, on gay marriage, she does have exactly the same opinion as the President of the United States, which is uh, a thing that people conveniently overlook. So it, it's not like she's that far afield from the actual stated policy of our government. But they, what is the deal? So they've got... Well, that's not, yeah, that's not even the reason why they're, they're considering taking the... the, the but this is the, the photographs she, of her, right? The, yeah, the, these... She was 17, apparently. Yeah. And then she's, what, 21 now? When she was 17, she modeled for a lingerie shoot. And she claimed there was just one, that one photo that was published. However, the website that published that photo... So the Dirty.com. Say that again? The Dirty.com. The Dirty.com. The Dirty.com. Right, I'm headed there right now so I can speak about this journalistically. She's, it says that there are more that they're going to roll out slowly. Now, the other day, she did use the, the word photo plural. She did say photos. But, you know, I mean, and, and the one photo that is published so far, according to pageant officials, it's about as revealing as the swimsuit she, swimsuit she wore uh, during the competition itself. So, I mean, you know, yeah, maybe she didn't say I, I took some photos, but maybe she didn't think they were racy photos, quote unquote, uh, because they were modeling photos of lingerie. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, it's 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 kind of silly that that this is even a big deal. 
But, uh, you know, to her it's not, I'm sure, and to the, the pageant it's not. And anybody who follows beauty pageants is probably a, a very big deal. But uh, it seems like a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot going on here that it, it just seems a little silly. Well, this is, you know, uh, this is sort of the enduring lesson of, we were just talking about um, uh, about John Edwards a while back, and I, you know, we're on the same level as John Edwards, or our mayor, Sam Adams, who's going through some personal and public difficulties of his own, which are all sort of intertwined. But Tim Riley made, I think I, I think it was Tim who said on, on Monday in the show about our mayor, you know, and there's kind of this all this sort of laundry that is being done in public about that guy. And that, you know, the way the game is played is if there's something lurking uh, out there, somebody will hold on to it to the appropriate time, and then they'll decide to show everybody. And that's kind of what we're seeing here in this microcosm. So I'm looking at this at this shot of her. First of all, I don't know how, so she's 21, so this was four years ago. I mean, it's not like I'm offended by it or anything, but I mean, it is, I would say for a girl, especially a girl who's underage, it's it's a pretty revealing shot. Um, it is... Um, technically safe for work i guess because there's no nudity but she's topless and wearing what have to be called just minuscule pink underwear and she's doing that or is that you typing in the background yeah, i'm trying to find it <laughs> good for you sir well done uh see if you can write that internet connection off in texas revealing i'm there um and so she's turning and she's kind of looking over her left shoulder and her uh like her her like boob is sort of covered by her arm or whatever but you can it's it is what George Costanza called the side boob uh, that you can see there so it's i mean it's not like it's it's like it's smut or whatever but it's just uh, well, it looks like uh it looks like anything that you'd see in a, a Victoria's secret uh catalog yeah. or even a Sears catalog the, to the, some degree. the best part about it though is this is at the uh, the dirty.com is the website they have this poll happening underneath this photo of uh, Miss California where it says this is the uh, this is where they're doing a survey of the readership of this fine website, and it says, "So should Miss California carry Prejean 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 lose her crown?" Here are the two choices: yes, she is a hypocrite, or no, she is my role model. So apparently, those are the. Uh, that's Shall the we vote and see the results? That's the demarcation <laughs> that we now have in this country. Uh, I'm going to vote for no, she is my role model. I'm right voting now. for yes, she is a hypocrite. Oh, uh, see, Sarah and I are doing that married couple thing of balancing each other out. Um, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that that's a breach. I, I, I don't. I have not seen the contract they have to sign. Uh, but I could see her considering this not a racy photo if that's the term used in the contract. Right. You know, if, if it is. I mean, it's part of work. It's not like she posed nude for her boyfriend. You know, uh, or something like that. This is. This was a. Um, this was a model shoot. It is. Uh, and, and, and if you're if you're in that line of work. How can you turn work down four years before you decide if you're going to enter a beauty contest or not? Well, that's and that's my thing. As my as my woman studies major wife uh, would say, this is where the personal becomes political and vice versa. So if you voice an opinion that somebody is not a big fan of, and they got a photo of you, uh, you know, in a you know in a stable somewhere with a goat, uh, that's going to find its way into the hands of Larry Flint at some point. Hey, yeah. real quickly, um, what is it? What is, who is Michael Jackson being sued by today? Ramon Bain, the, his publicist for years. Oh, that's not good. person for years. I mean, she, you know, she she defended the heck out of him during the uh, during that child molestation trial, but he's not paying his bills. So she filed a lawsuit to try and recover all that money he's owed, and she she still likes him. She's saying, you know, he's still the king of pop as far as I'm concerned. He's I'm just disappointed he's you know not fulfilling his financial obligations. I would say there's two people you probably don't want to screw financially: your PR person and your accountant. Uh, oh, you got yeah. to whoever has that racy photo of you. <laughs> exactly. Bada bing. Call <laughs> back. I have one out there somewhere. All right. Well, uh, stay safe out there covering the fire, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, boss. There you go. CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop.
Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he actually is my role model. Uh, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. Straight Ahead News with Tim Riley. This is Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. He's the Uncle Buck of CBS Radio. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Thursday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Straight ahead, we have our good friend Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com who will be joining us next hour. We'll talk to Richard Cheese who's performing this Saturday at Dante's. Later on, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Weekend. Don't forget, at some point today, your chance of winning a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain who's going to be uh, here at the Keller. That's May 29th. We'll play a uh, segment from his uh, Pacific Northwest episode of No Reservations. And if you can uh, tell us what he is uh, speaking about what establishment he is identifying in that quote, uh, you'll win a, a pair of tickets. So don't call now. It's going to be uh, happening in just a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Alec Oswego Blonde is suing us a lot for $50,000. Now this woman named Sarah Jane Ward, one of the Marilyn Monroe look. Well, she, I guess she got it for a few minutes while well, the hair was still in her head. She is suing Rumi Sumon a hoity-toity salon and spy in Lake Oswego, with the stylist bleach her hair to the platinum shade that defined her signature look. Well, now she wants $50,000 for humiliation, depression, and the cost of hair extensions. Miss Ward lives with her husband and two children in a luxurious $6 million mansion high atop Lake Oswego's Iron Mountain, where she can look down on all of us. She received three scalp bleaching treatments in the fall of 2007. Not long after that, disaster took root. You see, when she showered, huge clumps of hair started falling out. She mm-hmm. thought she might be ill, possibly cancer-stricken. She was terrified. I felt ugly, she told yours. Uh, so uh, she wanted her hair colored. Oh, she has colored her hair for about 25 years. Gee, couldn't that make your hair fall out? She blames the inept stylist for cosmetic cat- catastrophes. I, okay, let's back up so for This a second. is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And we're so, just getting started. So this, <laughs> so she wanted the... Maybe she didn't specify what era of Marilyn Monroe she wanted. Maybe she wanted Marilyn Monroe as she looks now. Oh, that could be true. I'm just saying. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to puzzle my way through this. Seriously, and as a lady who dyes my hair quite a bit, I would not be at all surprised if all my hair fell out one day. Because, oh. I mean, do you abuse your I, hair? I, it falls out of it. your head. I totally do. Like it makes it brittle, especially if you bleach it. Like and bleaching, bleaching is it, that's yeah. the single worst thing you can do to your hair, as I understand it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had a uh, uh, a friend of mine in high school. I forget exactly what happened, but it was the thing where she she was trying to get her hair colored, and they made it way too dark. And I think it was for some. I think it was she was getting photographs taken, or she was doing some sort of a shoot with something or other. And they made it way too dark, and she had to get it back to a lighter color. And she's like, well, they can't, you know, they can't dye it a lighter color, so they have to bleach it and then re-dye it the lighter color. And her hair was just, and it was like she had a head full of straw. Uh, I mean, I was, and we were just amazed, actually, the first time her car went over a speed bump that it all didn't just go and shatter off the top of her I skull. I stripped my hair. I, I dyed it, like, this cherry red, like, really dark brown, and then I tried to strip it back to blonde, and I had it, um, like, bleached three times. And it turned into mush. Yeah. It was the grossest thing. It was totally, whenever it got wet, it felt like mushy hair. It was so gross. And then it would snap off. Yeah. So like my hair, I had to get it all cut. Maybe I love it when I rub my hands through your hair and it all comes off all over my fingers as though it were made out of malta meal. Well, the lady with the broken hair started coloring her hair in the fourth grade. My mother told me my hair was dirty blonde. I was not attractive. She said he... Sure, and her husband, John, testified that at the end of 2007, she was so distraught, she didn't want to leave the house and avoided holiday happenings. Please tell me that the husband testified he no longer found her attractive. No, something even worse. <sighs> this is your testimony that your children were denied seeing Santa, 
because of your wife's hair breakage? <laughs> he asked in the courtroom. Seriously, to adults? Hey, memo from us to you. Put on a goddamn hat and leave the house. Ms. Ward wanted a platinum look, a Marilyn Monroe look. That was the image she wanted. Well, Ward was not physically harmed, did not go bald, did not suffer a mental health crisis. The salon shouldn't have to pay $8,000 for hair extension. $8,000? These, like, Britney hair extensions? And $546 for a babysitter so she could visit a new stylist. Yeah, it's a good thing we've got real problems. In this We're country. dealing with hair breakage here. It's not the end of the world. The trial will conclude today. Somebody oh, needs so to get that lady a hobby. So she is. A, so, the, so they haven't actually reached the verdict. The trial is actually going to resolve today, Thursday. Yes. How That's mad fantastic. would you be if you had to go to jury duty and you had to go, like listen to some you know rich to lady. a woman Take her to court, the to Lake Oswego court, <laughs> and so they're listening to her complain and cry about her hair. Her justice is different. Uh, uh, and by the way, especially because, look, let's be honest. I mean, we all know the kind of people who are drawn for jury duty. They are probably uh, not the kind of folks who are going to be laying down eight grand for hair extension. So I'm and guessing. Lake Oswego, though, she wanted to, does she get a trial of her peers also from Hilltops and Lake Oswego? That's actually a good point because in Lake Oswego, I mean, we'll, we'll continue this in a moment. We're going to talk to Mr. Skin, but I, it is, in, in, in Lake Oswego, you got to figure that maybe the jury is made up of, I was going to say, like in, you know, like in my neighborhood, it's all just deadbeats and you know, unemployed people and people who are too dumb to get out of jury duty. Well, I think every place is unemployed people going to jury duty. Right but now. in Lake Oswego, they're probably unemployed for a different reason. Uh, they may have drained the canal to clean it. <laughs> yes. I mean, per- perhaps, uh, uh, you know, perhaps in Lake Oswego you are, uh, you are unemployed because th- there is no need to have gainful employment. That's all I'm saying. Let's well, they can't enjoy their homes if they go to work. That's right. That'd be the same way, really. Let's take a, a moment to speak with our good friend, Mr. Skin, from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Uh, hello to you, sir. How are you on this fine Thursday? Oh, sorry. Hello? Uh, Mother's Day treat for you. Um, I, I have a, a list of MrSkin.com, and I just want to say, preface it by saying I could have taken the easy route and just did a, a top ten naked mom list uh, for the site, but there's so many moms in the history of film, it would, the list, it would have been tough to narrow it down to 10, but I, I made it a little more difficult, and uh, I said that it had to be naked moms and their naked daughters. In other words, uh, the actress mom has had to be nude, and their actress daughter has had to done a nude scene, and we have a, a fun list you could check out at our site, uh, uh, top 10 list. Maybe I thought I'd go over the top three with you, just as a little uh, teaser here, but uh, example, uh, we all know Drew Barrymore, uh, obviously a big A-list star, naked in Doppelganger, Boys on the Side, and a number of movies. Her mother, believe it or not, Jade Barrymore, did a great nude scene, full frontal, in a movie called Last Days of Disco, which came out in the 90s. And uh, they both, uh, actually, in the same year, 1995, Jade and Drew Barrymore, uh, not in the same month, but in the same year, posed nude in Playboy. So That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So Jade Barrymore and Drew Barrymore, number three on our list of uh, naked moms and their uh, naked daughters. Uh, number two, uh, Rick, you know uh, the, the mom and meet the parents in the Fockers, Blythe Danner. Yes. Married to Robert De Niro on the show, in the movie. She was also the mom in The Great Santini. So she's been a mom in some cool movies. Before she uh, hit it big in those movies, she did uh, some stuff in the early 70s, one movie called Love and Molly, the other called To Kill a Clown with Alan Alda, where she was completely nude. And uh, her daughter uh, with, Bruce, with Bruce Paltrow is Gwyneth Paltrow, who won an Academy Award for Shakespeare in Love and was also uh, very naked in... Uh, uh, in in the in that movie and other movies too. So Blythe Danner and Gwyneth Paltrow are number two on our famous 
moms and their famous naked daughters a mother mother's day special list and uh finally if you're going to do a list like this uh, and you look at hotness coolness uh nudity uh you can't uh uh, you have to have it, number one, uh, Goldie Hawn and Kate Hudson. Uh, Goldie's been nude uh, seven times in her career from 1970 through 2002, spanning four decades, amazingly. And uh, her first movie she was naked in is There's a Girl in My Soup with Peter Sellers. But uh, she did a movie called uh, Wildcats. I think a lot of guys that watched cable in the 80s and 90s remember. And uh, Where she was the football coach. You got it. You yeah. got it. And her daughter, Kate Hudson, Actually had a nice nude scene in Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous at the hour and ten minute mark, and uh, uh, they both have the same body type, and it's it's very hot, and they're both very funny and uh, gorgeous. And uh, uh, my favorite uh, naked mom daughter combo is definitely Goldie Hawn and Kate and Hudson. Let me just say this: I'm actually looking at the list uh, right now, uh, you know, for professional purposes. And at number five, you sort of have an honorary mother daughter uh, combo where it's it's Meredith yes. Baxter and Justine Bateman, Elise yes. and Mallory Keaton from Family Ties. Right, I threw that in for fun because I'm so blown away by the fact that both Meredith Baxter and Justine Bateman have actually been nude that I, I just had to put that in there. Uh, obviously, they're not you know, real mother-daughters. I have to ask, where, what is this movie that Meredith Baxter is, is topless in? Because I have to say, this is the first time that I've ever seen her uh, sans uh, clothing. Yeah, you have to. Uh, yeah, you ha- I'm glad you checked that out because people would be blown away if they saw it. it was called movie was called My Breast in 1994. It actually aired on NBC and then on the Lifetime. It was like one of those made for. Uh, uh, it's actually more like a Lifetime type show. Oh, was this one of those actually, Finding a Lump movies? It, one of them. Yeah. Ah, I see. Yes, All yes. right. Well, that's less sexy, but what can you do? Yeah, but you remember, they were just acting, is what I always say. But yeah, it's uh, it's actually would blow people away that she actually did that, and it was on network television. Yeah. Even more is to see Justine Bateman, uh, Mallory, uh, do a nude scene in Out of Order, a movie with Felicity Huffman and Eric Stoltz. And I have to say, uh, uh, one of my, uh, I was giving up hope that Justine Bateman would ever do a nude scene, and she finally did in her late 30s, and it was well, awesome. Sometimes dreams can come true, Yeah, sir. but uh, Tina Yothers was never naked, Rick. Well, there's still time, my friend. All right, doing the Lord. Lord's work as always, my friend. Thank you. Okay, take care. There you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Well, you've probably seen this movie, Sarah, if it was on if it was on Lifetime and if I it had actually have. something <laughs> tragic. I have to say um, Baxter's in so many Lifetime movies too. Wow, but let me just tell you uh, growing up as a as a child of the eighties and seeing her as Elise Keaton on Family Ties, I had no idea she was so um uh, ample. See, and uh, I never watched her family ties. I just knew her from crappy lifetime movies. Wow. Boy, she's I have to close this window. It's it's altogether distracting. All right, let's do uh, one more here with Tim Riley, and then we will get uh, caught up around the corner. Well, a couple in uh, Florida, a couple of car thieves, try to act like girls in an effort to escape the police. Fort Lauderdale officials say 19-year-old Marquis Pitts and 20-year-old Kendrick Pitts hid in the ladies' room, sat down on toilets, raised their voices, and talked about things girls would if they were sitting in stalls. It didn't work. Officers quickly figured out they were brothers and not sisters and arrested them in the office building back bathroom. Uh, they were stealing cars, actually. So they just both they started talking in a high pitched voice about girly things in yes. the bathroom, thinking that that would that the cop would not be fooled or would be fooled this by is that. Florida, yes. All right, it's where Tim, Florida. That's right. You know I don't have my hotkeys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where the genders blend. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thursday morning, 503-228-4101. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain. Later on, uh, Kelly Clark will be here from the Willamette Week. And uh, also coming up here in about... Uh, how time is it? Uh, in about 18 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, you will have Lost in 408 with Chris Paddock 
and Sarah Dillon. Can we reveal in advance that you didn't actually see Lost last night? Yes. All right. Well, we Bail. had. I know. Well, we sponsored a show last night. Uh, the punk show. Uh, that's on Sunday nights. Uh, we sponsored a Death by Stereo and Strung Out show last night, and it started at the same time that Lost did. Was this the show that led to you using the phrase on the air, I won't be able to be at Brett Michaels on Wednesday, I'll be seeing Death by Stereo and Strung Out. <laughs> yes, And we had to it. clarify that you were not, in fact, going to be tying off in a bathroom uh, somewhere. No, 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 I was not Strung Out. I was, in fact, watching Strung Out. All right, fantastic. So, and it was awesome. Excellent. So, uh, now, how are we going to do this then? So, we've got Lost in 408, which is the recap of last night's episode coming up at the bottom. Now, Paddock presumably saw Lost. He did. So we, I don't know, we always kind of wander and talk about our theories about it and stuff anyway. And so I've been looking at a bunch of uh, websites. I've, I've gotten the synopsis of what happened. So I think I can, I think I can roll with it. Here's the thing. You are being relatable in this segment, I think, uh, because there are probably any number of people from week to week who intend to watch Lost and then they just don't. Or it's like, you know, whenever you watch some show religiously, there's always that one episode over the, you know, over the course of a season that you miss. You are now a stand-in, Sarah. You are a proxy for I, all of those people. I know. I haven't missed a single episode this season except for this last one. So you are embodying the pain and frustration. I of, am very I am very frustrated that I didn't see it. It's a, a fan base that may have the occasional gap in their viewings. And I also didn't get to watch America's Next Top Model where the girl that I hated got kicked off. Ah, well. I know. Well, you know, but can't you just, didn't the, the, uh, the Intertron let you watch all that stuff? Yes, no? the internets. Well, I'm, I'm going to watch it. So I, I read all... So I already read all the spoilers and everything about what happened at Lost last night. So I do have all that, but I'm going to watch it when I get home today. Excellent. Tim Riley's tracking the following stories on your Thursday. We're going to talk about Oprah and some chicken that people could not have. One in five Portland homes. Well, apparently people owe much more on them than they thought they did. And by people, you mean other people. Other people yeah. who own homes. And then we're going to uh, revisit the Bristol Palin family, shall we? We have all kinds of wonderful things here. And we'll speak with the owner of the oldest dog in the world. Fantastic. And a water skiing squirrel, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What? Man, Sarah oh and her Dylans. On Rock 101 KUFO. Are we still using this traffic bed? You know, this is the only thing I have. I have dreams about this every night. <laughs> What's up, traffic? And then I wake up out of a sound sleep. It sounds like there's some sort of a, like a guy thrashing a washboard with thimbles in the background. And there's like a kazoo. Ladies and gentlemen, Emmett Otter's jug band traffic bed. Hold on a second. I have something. Are you sure? Yeah. Let okay. Me just, uh... All right. Here's Tim Riley with your traffic. That is about the same thing, isn't it? Ooh, traffic like is flowing nicely. I-205 northbound between I-5 and the airport. Traffic is flowing freely. It's moving along well. This sounds like cut and paste, doesn't it? This means nothing. This is completely useless. I have one that means something here. I-5 southbound between Mill Plain Boulevard and the Fremont Bridge. I-405. Expect normal traffic and a thick pocket at Delta Park. <laughs> Pocket of what? I don't know. I didn't write this. It's a thick pocket. It's a hair-like moss. Uh, it's got to be everywhere. So a let me big just clump say, that falls so the, out of your head. Let me just, so the traffic can be summed up as no problems, moving well, and thick pocket, it, traveling freely, thick pocket. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? This is like the traffic version of those uh, candy hearts you get at Valentine's Day. That's exactly what this. You're is. swell. Call me. Love you. Except this would be shaped like little cars, and it would say something: slow and go, looky lose. Stop and go traffic. There you go. There's uh, your traffic right here in Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Wait, what's that noise? It's the sound of David Lee Roth, a living god. Gracing your radio, after which we will hear more from Tim Riley at the news desk and your chance at uh, winning a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain when he comes to town. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO straight ahead lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock.
It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I realize now that I've been listening to that song for 25 years and I have no idea what it's about. None, zero, See, nada, I always thought it was like Cannonball, but it's, <laughs> it's no. Panama. Yeah, and I, and I realize, I just sort of have assumed it's about drugs all this time because, you know, what with the rocking and the rolling and the so forth, but... It really, if pressed to come up with any sort of definitive explanation, I would uh, I would have a paucity of answers for you on that front. It is 503-228-4101. Why do you care about that phone number? Because this is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Anthony Bourdain, who's going to be in town at the Keller Auditorium on May 29th. So if you can identify the Portland landmark that he is talking about in this soundbite, you can identify the Portland locale that he is talking about in this soundbite and be calling number 10 when you do so. It's 503 228 4101, you want a pair of passes to see Anthony Bourdain when he comes to town. So please now to fill in the blank in this Anthony Bourdain soundbite from his Pacific Northwest episode of No Reservations. Chuck agrees to meet me at my hotel. Johnny, how you doing? How do you do? Thanks for doing this. Chuck Palahniuk. At first glance, a stylish yet warm, comfortingly luxurious lodging. But closer inspection reveals a grisly and violent backstory. This hotel apparently has an evil history of tragedy, death, and, and possible haunting. The haunting is a vertical haunting. Supposedly someone jumped from the eighth floor in the 1930s. And every room that they passed on the way to their death, he haunts that room. So I believe the rooms are 703, 603, 503. So there you go. If you can identify which hotel he is discussing in that soundbite from the Pacific Northwest episode of No Reservations, and be called the time when you do so, you want a pair of passes to see Anthony Bourdain when he comes to town at the Keller. Sarah Dillon, are we prepared? As prepared as we can be. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Program Director Christopher J. Paddock for another exciting installment of Lost in 408. Are we ready on all fronts? I just would like to say I'm disappointed in Ms. Dillon, but we'll, we'll get this done. I had to support the punk show, yeah, Paddock. Rock and roll is important. <laughs> Not so much angry as it was that you expected more from a varsity letterman. Well, at least I, I, I get to see it with uh, new eyes for the first time today. And by new eyes, you mean Chris Paddock's <laughs> yeah. eyes. By unprepared eyes. <laughs> I was going to say, she had LASIK surgery beforehand. <laughs> the new and altogether uninformed eyes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, lost in 408. Okay, this episode was called Follow the Leader. This okay. is the penultimate episode before next week's season finale. We are uh, we are in the home stretch, folks. And it's the two-hour season finale next yes, week, right? Yes, uh, that episode called The Incident. And boy, we are we are leading up to some sort of incident on the island. So what do you think the incident's going to be? Do you think that it's going to be well, involving the hatch again? Here's the thing. You've got questions about them drilling into the Swan Station. Uh-huh. You've got uh, Jughead, the H-bomb that Faraday last week revealed he wanted to set off. Now Jack wants to fire off this bomb. Before he was shot and killed. Exactly. Uh, and Faraday's now dead. Uh, also, then you have um, Locke, 30 years later, wanting to do something absolutely incredible. We'll get to that because this episode, all about leaders in flux. You have, obviously, Ben Linus not knowing where he stands in the world because he's being led around by John Locke on a leash, practically. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Richard Alpert, who we still don't understand what... That guy's deal is. I know. I think it's some Egyptian thing, but I still don't get it. Like, I'm, I think that's probably something we're going to figure out, like, way at like the very end of the series. You think so? I'm thinking maybe, maybe, you think maybe it's next closer? week. I'm maybe next with week. the incident? Because I'll tell you this. Uh, Mr. Uh, Alpert was revealed by, uh, by Ben Linus as being on the island for a very long, long mm. time and claimed to have seen Jack and Kate killed. Because Jack and Kate were captured immediately following the uh, incident with Faraday uh, oh, being yeah. shot. So they're questioned by Faraday's mom, who we will call Young Ellie. 
But um, doesn't Kate end up getting on or the a young sub- Eloise on the submarine with uh, with Sawyer and Juliet? Can I? Uh, you brought up a great point because I am absolutely irritated with Kate now. I'm Kate and Jack are are like the sexiest characters so ever. Annoying. They're annoying. It like, seems just, like he's phoning it in. It's like, come on, at least just like kill him or like stop wasting. But we time lo- on we him. we love the actor Matthew Fox apparently moving here to Oregon, so he's got great taste okay. in places to live. <laughs> but the the whole deal with Kate is. Uh, she ends up saying, "I don't want to blow up a bomb." And when you know, when you're going to shoot it, you know, they were talking about shooting young Ben Linus. Like, mm. oh, shooting kids, setting off bombs. When does that uh, okay and acceptable behavior? Well, she probably doesn't want to go back. Um, you know, since they're all trying to like make sure that um, that the plane crash doesn't even happen because she would end up in jail for murdering her father. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes, I didn't even think about that until now because it's like, yeah, her life was really crappy. Oh yeah, no, she had the crappiest life. Well, uh, things weren't going well for like basically anybody and, on that. Plane, and I'll tell you, but... it was it, watching her. It's like that episode of Bud. Uh, the Brady Bunch when Bobby would show up during Greg's date, you know, and he was the third wheel, which was horrible. I'll tell you, Kate gets on that submarine last night right oh, after Sawyer so and Juliet have this great moment together. Did they like very... profess their love to each other? Yes, and, stuff? and it's like I am, I'm sold, I'm bought in. You're, you're, and then you're Kate on the... shows up. They need to drown her. <laughs> and they probably will. Maybe they will. Know. They might just throw her off the sub in the middle so, of us. So at the end, Locke was sitting there and he was saying how he wanted to kill Jacob. Now, do you think that this is a, a ploy to try and prove that Jacob doesn't exist? Or do you think that Christian's actually Jacob? What do you think? How about this theory? Mm-hmm. What if Jacob is actually Locke? That could be a fact. And I've heard shades of this. And I know fans out there probably are familiar with the show The Prisoner from the 60s. It's kind of a cult thing. But hardcore Lost fans probably know about that show. And I'm wondering, I've heard the producers talk about the prisoner being a big inspiration on Lost. Okay, so I'm okay. wondering, what if the enemy truly is Locke? one of our heroes? <gasps> yes. That would be the greatest twist ever. And then, the, well then, if Locke turns out to be the enemy, then maybe Ben Linus turns out to be good the entire time, and then that would just totally... That would be mind. just, that would totally, like, mess my head. But I also had a listener uh, mention something. Uh, it, it, he Facebooked me last night, Sean. He said, what if... This is all like Locke is Jesus. Like this is a whole religious well, allegory. They had already said that it wasn't because a lot of people thought it was purgatory. But, right. They, but they but said still, that you can have religious overtones of things, you know, because you have, uh, John Locke is being this Messiah. I'll tell you this. He's a little too kooky for me. I don't know, but I am. Uh, they lead everyone off the beach. Everyone's going to go see Jacob. That's what John Locke was there for. He was going to lead all the others to Jacob, and they're like, "Oh yeah, good way to go, John." And then and then he reveals, "Yeah, so I'm going to kill him." Nice guy. Oh my god. And there we go. All right. And as always, I'm I understood exactly nothing. <laughs> that was that. amazing. And I'm so excited to watch it now. <laughs> now, Steve, now, do you, having had this discussion, do you feel like you can still watch it and enjoy it? Oh, yeah. So because it's, well, cause we only get to like a fifth of the things that happen. It's the journey, week. Rick. I was just going to ask. the journey, I was, the destination. I was actually going to ask that. Is this the sort of thing? Because it does seem to be not a twist ending, but a series of twist endings mm-hmm. on that show. So even if you know what's coming, you can still enjoy these sort of. In other words, would you go back and watch this whole series from the beginning? Absolutely. Yes. Really? Yeah. No, and I, yeah, and I have like rewatched certain episodes. Because I own season one and two on DVD. Sometimes on Saturday nights, I'll watch uh, like an old like season one episode on DVD. Because you can catch. Because I'm lonely. <laughs> From the way back days of three years ago. No, because you can catch like different. The That's what's so genius about Lost is that even if you watch an episode that doesn't seem to have to do with anything, there are clues in every single episode. And, well, they're all, they are still trying to kind of backtrack a little bit because they introduced a lot of characters that they just tossed aside. Yeah, they just like completely... like Libby. Yeah, or just killed like those two characters who were buried alive. Paolo and, and, like, and okay. Really, Paolo Nutini. Here's an interesting final thought to sort of wrap this up. This does seem like an interesting way that you can retrofit a previously dull episode to become interesting. In other words, if you do what Battlestar started doing about halfway through the third season, you start it just dropping just one stinker after another. 
What you do is then in future episodes, you just reference that episode as regards some larger twist or some unbelievable plot development, which then in retrospect makes the dull episode fascinating. Maybe after pivot. Lost is done, we can just sit and uh, pick an episode at random. And yeah, then assess that. you get the completely retrospective rose-colored glasses on the series. Exactly. There you go. All right. Christopher J. Paddock and Sarah X. Dillon lost in 408. Straight ahead, you have more news from Tim Riley. Coming up later on, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Richard Cheese at Dante's. And by the way, for those who are wondering, the answer to the Anthony Bourdain question is... Is... Come on! The Heathman, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it is the Heathman. You can that's read where all the stars congregate. And apparently leap to their splattering demises, Tim. It is 503-228-4101. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. You're listening to Mornings with Morons and Suck. On Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Oh, one. Don't forget, coming up in the next hour, we have uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, who will be here, as well as your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Richard Cheese this Saturday at Dante's, ladies and gentlemen. This, at the news desk, is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. You know, uh, yes, we're talking about Matthew Fox moving to Portland. There's another star who has just settled down here, and he is the star of Leverage, Timothy Hutton. He just moved to a place in the Pearl. Maybe we don't know to, if he bought or rent. Trying to get away from his dad, perhaps. Perhaps so. Hey, did, is he an Oscar winner? Somebody told me that he did. He win for Ordinary People. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it was who was it? it was Anna uh, Griffin from the Oregonian? Uh, so she and I were we were filming this episode of, of Outlook Portland, mm-hmm. which airs Sundays at six thirty on Northwest Thirty Two TV, formerly known as the CW, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so what did it say? Thursday. So Tuesday, she and I were filming this episode, and during. We have this. She's really great. We have We fall into this dynamic there where we're, we film the segments of the show, and whatever we're talking about during the show is, you know, what we talk about during the segments. And then when they're doing the reset between segments, when they're, you know, changing. Is that when you yell at your crew? That's when I do. <laughs> Evan, do it live. Powder my nose. So that's when a broom handle falls over, and I scream like Bill O'Reilly. Only they've never seen it, and they don't know what I'm talking about, and they think I'm just an a-hole. Not that that's not also true. Thing sucks. Anywho. So they were doing the, the, I don't know, they were changing a battery in one of the cameras or something, and she and I started talking about the car blowing up, and did anybody actually have film of it, and a guy actually sent me some stills. Anyway, well, we were talking about Timothy Hutton, and she had this theory that if you win an Oscar, but then don't do anything useful after about 10 years, you got to give the Oscar back. Like, you can no longer identify yourself as being Academy Award winning actor Cuba Gooding Jr., and he is like the gold standard. Make snow dogs, lose Oscar. That's how it works, friend. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, he moved to the Pearl, bought a bike, and actually walks around. They're filming Leverage here, and it premieres in, on TNT in mid-July. They're filming here all summer. Say, so if you know some older people around the house, if you're about to turn uh, 65, Oregon colleges could be free to you. After all, you lost all the money in your 401k, and you must work till you die. So why not start a career? <laughs> well, I'm just telling the truth. We've Tim, I'm giving, the bush. Mental hugs I'm giving right you now. a big mental hug right now. God bless Isn't you, Isn't that Tim what Riley. this all means? Yes. It yes. certainly does, doesn't it? Well, a cheeky intruder has been caught living in a family's attic. This happened over Christmas, and this is from The Sun. I went back and checked, and this originally came out around Christmas time. So The Sun got it and looked into it further. Stephen Carter surrendered after they searched the house when people got suspicious. It happened in Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania, around Christmas time. Officers said the 21-year-old had been uh, uh, staying for uh, several days. He went missing December 19th and was filed as a missing person a few days before Christmas. He was pointed out on MySpace. She told police on Christmas Day she had a crash, a laptop computer, and an iPod disappeared. 
then the next day, they found footprints leading to the bedroom closet, and the door was located. He kept a list of everything he wanted for Christmas, and it was entitled Stephen's Christmas List. I, <laughs> oh wait, no, hold on. Let me understand this. This is like a, this is like a full-size borrower's or something. Right, so he borrowed the laptop to do a Christmas list but, in the attic. Wait, was he a member? Now, was he a member of the family? Was no, he just he some not. guy? Just some guy. Was so he, he mentally challenged? It, it well, no, he was, able to, he was able to figure out how to use a laptop That's and write true. a Christmas list. list. I mean, I can barely figure out how to use a laptop sometimes. So he's just some guy that broke into this house and then started living in their attic, yes. stole their laptop, and was making a Christmas list of things he wanted the family to purchase him. Uh-huh. See, you know what I love? When people go nuts in sort of entertaining ways. You know what I mean? Like some guy just goes bonkers and just, uh, I don't know, goes into, I don't know, like... You know, shoots up, uh, you know, shoots up his El Camino and then, uh, you know, and then turns himself into the cops. There's just nothing fascinating or compelling about that. This, though, this is like that guy maybe a year and a half ago who built a secret apartment for himself in the middle of a shopping mall that nobody oh, discovered. Underneath the escalator. Right? Yeah. Which then is- there was another one, the guy living on the roof of a Galleria. He built a makeshift apartment above a store in the Galleria. That's fantastic. Wait, the Galleria in Los Angeles? No, this is in, uh, let's see, Houston. Mm-hmm. When you say a gallery, was that like a mall? Yes, it is. All right. Yeah, that's when I was a kid. He I installed the flat screen TV and air conditioner in the refrigerator. I had these fantasies growing up that I would get to live in the mall because it just seemed like everything you could ever want, uh, you know, was there. I mean, if you're a kid, that is just that's the single best place that you could possibly make your home. And it didn't help when I read that book. What is it? The the the, the mixed up files of. Do you Mrs. agree with her? Uh... Frank Franklin T. Rottweiler or whatever her name is. What is that book about the kids who live in the museum? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the mixed up files of Higgledy Featherbottom. It, it's, it's a it's a terrible movie of Hingelbert Wingledank. Yes, that guy. All right. Uh, so so uh, very quickly, we have Levi Johnston speaking out about birth control. Do you agree with her uh, encouraging abstinence? You know, I do, but at the same time, you know, uh, abstinence is a great idea. But I also think that uh, you need to enforce, you know, condoms and you know, birth control and other things like that to have safe sex. I don't think just uh, telling young kids uh, you can't have sex is just, it's not going to work. It's not real realistic. Steve Holt is a bastard. <laughs> not just abstinence. How, uh, who does he sound like? He reminds me, and, and, and I mean the answer is like every bucktooth nitwit you've ever met in your life, but he sounds like somebody specific, and I can't quite specific. put my finger on it. And that guy's procreated. He sounds, well, but that, they all. I was going to say, that's the... Uh, that's the you know the tinier the brain the larger the urge to spread one seed Sarah that does seem to be the proportional system that nature uses. All right. Well, in any event, uh, do we have more sound from Levi Johnson? We do. If we had time to play, let's, it. yeah, let's roll one more here because okay. you can never have too much think, of that guy. Yeah, let's see. Is this the one? One more. Let me look here. Oh, about the, if, whether or not Bristol Palin uh, trusts him anymore. I think this is what this. Uh, let me double check here. And where is he being interviewed? Uh, he, is, he is being interviewed on a show called This Morning. All right. So he now he says uh, Bristol Palin is starting to trust him. She seems to be on a different page now. So has that changed? Yeah, the last couple of days it has. I mean, she seems to open up and everything, you know, things are getting a little yeah, better. Yeah, she seems to open up. She seems to trust me a little bit more and, you know, things are going pretty smooth now. So we'll see what happens and hopefully, you know, she holds to her word on that. And why is that? Why do you think she trusts you know. more? I don't know. Um, Have you been there more wow. for trip? Um, I try, I'm trying to be. I think, you know, things are starting to work itself out pretty slowly but surely. When we spoke, you also said that you would never consider trip an accident. But can you just tell us about how it does, having a baby at your age, does force you to grow up a whole lot faster than you planned? 
Oh, it does. I mean, it once you have a baby, it changes your life. I mean, you don't look at things the same way you used to. And, I mean, you do something, and the first thing that pops up to your mind is, you know, your kid and what he's going to think about it. And, you know, you don't, you don't want them to be disappointed in, your, in your, their parents. Oh, God, that just, wow. I so regret asking you to play that. That I seemed feel, like about four hours. I feel dumber just listening to him. Seriously, yeah. my brain is becoming smooth and foldless. And it's like, as he's speaking, I can hear uh, Carrie Underwood starting to screech something in the background <laughs> about, you know, the greatest gift you have is you. And then, you know, and then there's a picture of her walking through a wheat field holding a baby. For the love of God. And it's like someone gave him a rule that he had to talk on the back. He had to form all of his uh, it, consonant and vowel sounds. Well, it's like it's impossible for him to say three-syllable words. Uh, and I figured out who he sounds like. This won't mean anything to you guys probably, but he sounds like the character of Todd on the show Code Monkeys, who is this sort of idiot frat guy who works at the video game company because his dad, uh, Mr. Larity, runs the whole place. And he goes, Dad, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy myself a Viking helmet and wear it everywhere I go. Except even that sounds more animated and intelligent than that guy. Jesus, God almighty. And he's probably going to have three more kids by the end of the show. That seems to be how the deal works for guys like that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Straight ahead, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. And later on, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Richard Cheese at Dante's this weekend. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines on your Thursday morning, ladies and gentle persons. A fight ends with a stabbing in Old Town that New York City KFC denies there was a riot because he wouldn't accept Oprah's coupons. And we'll speak uh, more about Bristol Palin on why every child needs a dad. Wait, were these Oprah's coupons, like Oprah the herself? Was she, yes. I, no, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I'm asking. These coupons that perhaps she had uh, distributed on her website. Okay, but so it wasn't like Oprah at the drive-thru that. or something. Oprah is not going to a drive-thru. I, no, she wasn't one of the angry chicken. Well, ladies. I. Oh, I see what you mean. No, when you said wouldn't accept Oprah's coupons, oh. I was just picturing her going. No, 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 it says right here. I got three for one. I'm sorry, man. Don't you're gonna make have me to come over there. Seriously, <laughs> ma'am, you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to drive through and come back another time when you can control your temper. But uh, okay. Because having seen her interact with Kirstie Alley uh, last week, it seems like uh, we've noted before that uh, Oprah's uh, complaints about being a woman of larger carriage. I mean, just cut very little ice with us uh, at this point. Mm -hmm. But she does seem like a secret shame eater. I mean, that's the I can. Oh yeah, she's shoving chicken wings in her face in the bathroom. Okay, that as well. I was going to go more for uh, sort of a Hagen dazs being shoveled into her mouth, like like late at night around two a.m. Mm -hmm. Probably when like you know like the help have all gone to bed, so they're not likely to, to you know to investigate the sort of slushing sounds coming from the kitchen. All right. Yeah, and this is more of an endorsement deal. Oprah says eat chicken, well, and America responds. Except, but then you're not able to actually do it. No. All right. And that's why they're denying there was a riot even though we know there was one. By the way, coming up on Oprah today is going to be that Elizabeth Edwards interview, which uh, I have already I've gone on to TiVo.com, and I have already commanded uh, my home recording unit to uh, to tape that for me. So I can, Your home uh, recording unit sounds weird. I can, uh, I can go home, and I can just wallow in every awkward moment of it. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Willamette Week, our good friend Kelly Clark. Hello there. Hey there, guys. Nice to be back. Well, thank we you for joining us today. You. I hey. love being awkward with you. So let's do this, uh, <laughs> Kelly. I will have you sort of bullet point what you're going to be uh, talking about in the next segment, and then I will give you your choice of two awkward stories to hear. Ooh, two blank pieces of paper. Yeah, no, no, no. They're only blank on your side. Oh, I see so, how it is. Uh, what will we be uh, hearing about today from the uh, Willamette, Kelly? Uh, we have our sixth annual Best New Band poll went out, and we have an upset. We have a crazy new winner that we didn't expect. And then also... 
We found some things that you should be scared of besides swine flu, namely getting run over and some flesh-eating disease you can get in hospitals. Fantastic. All right, Kelly, of these two stories, uh, I'm holding here my hand, two pieces of paper. Which would you prefer to hear? I would like the left hand, please. All right. We have now from The Sun. The Sun. This is The Sun, which is the world's finest newspaper. This is from Britain. A family which has suffered infestations of up to 50 slugs a night for more than two years say they've reached the end of their tether. Nicola Bruce of Stanfield says she can no longer stand living in her council house and waking up to hordes of the creatures, while toys, furniture, and kitchen cupboards are covered in slime. The 21-year-old who lives on Haywood Road with partner Thomas Jones, age 23, 1-year-old Reese, and 3-year-old Tyler, a lovable scamp, says council workers have visited 30 times over 30 months, taking up floorboards and fixing areas of dampness. But nothing has solved the problem, and Nicola now picks up bags of slugs each morning and bleaches her services every morning before allowing her children to come downstairs. Miss Bruce said, I noticed the slime soon after we moved in. I stayed up one night to see where they came from, and I couldn't believe the huge numbers of slugs that came crawling up from the floorboards the minute the lights were off. The council's been out 30 times to tackle the dampness, but it's never worked. I went to their offices with a pillowcase that had been half-eaten by slugs and a jar of 20 slugs that I found in the bedroom that morning. If I wake up at night and I go to get a drink, I tread on slugs, and it's disgusting. <laughs> she says then, I think, uh, rather unnecessarily, I don't want to be here anymore. Mr. Jones added, we haven't been able to let our youngest son crawl in the house. We have to watch him every second so he doesn't pick slugs up. And shove them into his mouth. Like, seriously, these are your living conditions? Like, you can move. Well, they are British, Sarah. No, maybe the slugs follow them. <laughs> well, they are British, Kelly. <laughs> there you go. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Who's an obedient girl? I am. Visit KUFO.com right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, so uh, I, really, if I'm going to be kind of throwing Oprah under the ice cream eating bus here, I should point out that yesterday, for I think the third day in a row, I did just have a vast majority of my lunch while standing in the kitchen in my boxer shorts. So, did you eat the last third of that giant gallon of ice cream? No, no, I ate that on Tuesday. Don't be foolish, Sarah. That wasn't still around. Um, but I did that thing of... Uh, because I think I'd acclimated myself to having some sort of dessert-type uh, meal in the middle of the day, and I realized there wasn't any of the ice cream left because I managed to consume all of it uh, because I'm a disgusting swan. And there wasn't any of that left, so I just opened th this half pound of chocolate chips that my wife had set aside for cooking, and I just stood there uh, in front of the refrigerator, and so I had a ch bag of chocolate chips in my left hand. I had the refrigerator door opening with my right hand, and I was looking around, and as I'm rooting through the refrigerator like a truffle hound trying to find something to eat, I'm at the same time just going, and just shoving handfuls of chocolate chips into my mouth. There really is no point to this story except to say that I'm revolting at almost every level. And you need to throw away your chocolate chips. That's a B to that story because it seems like you cover everything in chocolate chips lately. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, except for my chicken sandwich, which I made while standing in front of the fridge and then ate while standing in front of the sink so I wouldn't eat a plate, uh, on which I put some secret aardvark habanero hot sauce, which is fantastic. By the way, you can find that more about it at secretardvark.com with uh, two A's, technically three. But uh, you can find that more about it at secretardvark.com. It's a recipe made right here in Portland. It is a Portland company. 
you can feel good about that. And also, you're going to feel good about eating it because it's fantastic. It really is. It's got punch. It's got a real kick to it because it is hot. But it's not so hot that it uh, masks the taste. And it's not to the exclusion of whatever the natural flavors are of the food. You can find out more about it at secretartvark.com. If you don't see it sold where you shop, if you don't see it served where you eat, you can go there to the website and find out more about it. It is fantastic. Secret Artvark Habanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. We're here with Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. <laughs> I was rather pointedly reminded during this uh, last song that there is no the on the uh, on the front of it. I thought there the fisticuffs no are going to arise. I, thought that, well, I hope so. I thought that we had already had this discussion once where I said that I realized, I mean, intellectually, logically speaking, I understand that the name of the paper is Willamette Week, and so therefore I shouldn't be putting a the at the beginning of it. But, uh, but linguistically, it just causes me a little bit of a... Uh, it causes me a little bit of a little bit of uh, a train wreckage inside my own mouth when we, I try to get that out correctly. We wouldn't want that. I'm just saying, I, it, it just seems unnatural. <laughs> Let's so, try it. Unnatural. I mean, just you know, it's Willamette Week. It is, but what does that mean? How can the paper be called Willamette Week? That's a, that's a that's a fair question. I mean, Rick. really, if we're going to examine so that, be like River Week. If, it's basically River Week. If we're going to. Does that mean that we are celebrating a seven-day period in which everything is, in fact, about a body of water? Yes. Linguistically speaking... In fact, I'm glad you finally picked that up about the publication. It's really all water-related. I'm just saying, it (laughs) seems like the etymological uh, uh, underpinnings of that, they don't really hold up under close scrutiny. That's all I'm saying. It's like the newspaper in Vancouver. It's called The Columbian. (laughs) Is it about news from Columbia? Yeah. Actually, it's just Colombian. Let's never talk about this again. (laughs) It's uh, 503-228-4101. Before the top of the hour, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Richard Cheese. Also, more news with Tim Riley. Hey, Kelly Clark, you're a woman. Let me ask you about scalp bleaching. <laughs> so we have this story from this Lake Oswego woman. Tim, do you have the actual this is the story? I do. I have it in my hand. The trial is concluding today. And please not to give us the broad strokes of this story so that we can have Kelly weigh in on this, because nobody else in the room uh, knew what, what we were, you know, they, they couldn't really get a fix on what she's referring to in here. So a woman goes to a high-class salon in Lake Oswego, wants the Marilyn Monroe look, and now she wants 50000 for humiliation. Her hair fell out in clumps as she was taking a shower. I like any story in which things <laughs> fall out in clumps, within by weeks, the way. Within weeks, like the plot weeks, of every bad horror 70% ever. of her hair had snapped off. I felt ugly, she said. It was so bad, she would not take her kids to see Santa Claus, so they did not get the gifts that they desired. It's good to know that in Lake Oswego, she still couldn't afford anything to cover her head and leave the house. Well, that seems like she's a bad mother. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just your opinion. kids. Seriously, it's like if you want to ruin your children's dreams just because you're having a bad hair day. That's mm-hmm. also a nice example to set for your kids. I'm ugly. Don't do anything. Fun. <laughs> Don't leave the house. Don't leave well, the house. In all fairness, she said that she's felt terrible since she was a child. My mother told me my hair was dirty blonde, and it wasn't attractive. Well, then she should be suing her mother, not the hair salon. Yeah, exactly. seriously. We yeah. should sue the mother for her. We should file a class action suit for the egregious emotional damage that she has suffered. Has she ever watched a teen movie? Everybody knows if you bleach your hair that much, it's all going to snap off. And well, then you're going to have to wear a wig, and then the boy's not going to like you. That's just what happens. Just watch your movies, people. You know, I'm a guy, understand. and I understand how that works. So it go. does seem like that. Okay, but the, but the interesting part of the story, though, yeah. is that she had gotten this done as part of an overall procedure, which did also include a scalp bleaching. Am I right about that? Yes. Mm-hmm. So she had her scalp, scalp bleached bleaching? three times. Yes. That three was a, scalp bleaching. Okay. That was the reaction we had, which is what the hell is scalp bleaching? We've written about people scalp is bleaching other parts of their bodies in Willamette Week, but <laughs> never scalps. Uh, it was lower. 
That is a the lower scalp. Bleaching the skin, like by, your well, lower like scalp, the bum. If by scalp, please bleach my lower. No, no, scalp. no. We wrote about people bleaching their bums. No, she's. Oh, oh. If by scalp you mean anus, oh. yes, yes. Oh. We talked. We wrote about anus bleaching. So it just is that the newest thing? <laughs> Actually, it's it's so past. I know that was so two thousand and like seven, eight. But I guess we're on something new now. But if you're but if you're getting your scalp bleached, does that mean that? I mean, I don't. I haven't seen a picture of the woman. So I don't know what she uh, what she looks like in her in her newly. Oh wow! Oh, that's kind of hot. Yeah. So, but see, but does it look like the that her scalp is a much different color than the rest of her skin? Well, no, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's it's a difficult uh, photograph to really assess with any accuracy because it's taken from like fifty feet away and it's but, black and white. But isn't that also post scalp bleaching? She could uh, have had unsightly scalp problems before. She looks like Perez Hilton with her hair tied back. <laughs> The uh, she sort of looks like a woman that I occasionally see um, <laughs> scratching herself in intimate areas down at the bus stop at first and Arthur. Well, we don't know if this is the same woman. I'm speculating okay. it's probably not. Hello, Kelly Clark. Well, hi. Hi. Thank you for being part of this rolling ball of unpleasantness this morning. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to pretend to know a- any more about this than I really do. But I know that uh, Willamette Week has announced the best new band. And there was like band A that was considered a shoe in. Yes. And then there's band B that kind of came out of uh, nowhere. Uh, sort of a sort of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas uh, style uh, to uh, to take the crown, mm-hmm. and so please now to explain the dynamic at work here. Well, yeah, every year for the last six years we've done a best new band poll, and we poll people who are kind of in the music industry. Everybody from musicians who've been on the list before to bookers to bartenders who listen to new bands every single night when they're at work, and that way we kind of just get a feel for what's new in town. And everybody thought Blind Pilot was going to take it this year. Uh, they're super Portlandy, they're folky, they're beautiful. They tour by bike across the country. I mean, you couldn't get a more Portland band. Wow. Instead, they got second. First was Explode Into Colors, which is a threesome, three women, two drummers, and a woman who basically wails and moans into the microphone like a bonger crazy. It's awesome. And this was just something that nobody expected, and we were really excited when they were crowned Best New Band. Fantastic. Yeah. Explode Into Colors? Explode Into Colors. They're oh, a threesome. Oh, and so we're going to do a big showcase. We do it every year. It's a free showcase at Burbati's on Saturday. Exploding Into Colors is going to play. Nurses, which who tied Blind Pilot for second. And then White Fang, it's a cool punk band from town, all going to play at Burbati's at 9 p.m. on Saturday. Fantastic. Free. Hey, have you written about the, I think we were talking about cupcakes or something earlier during a break or something here? Yes, because my sister had her birthday party, and uh, one of the waiters stole her cupcake yesterday and i made a note to myself to ask uh, you kelly about cupcakes because in, in, in addition to writing you know arts and culture and you're also you also write about what interpretive dance or in, something or other interpretive dance and also food, food. interpretive dance with food okay so i wrote this down yeah. i had made this uh i had made this observation i don't know about a month and a month and a half ago that zombies are to dudes as vampires are to girls uh, in other words, they're, you know, there's sort of an undead equivalent, uh, to, 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 you know, and, sure. and you know, women embrace vampires because it is, it's a weird sort of like sexual metaphor and whatever. Oh, speaking of vampires, just started reading Twilight yesterday. Excellent. Good okay. for you. Oh, we can talk. Right. Boy, between that and Levi Johnson, oh. you're not going to be able to tie your <laughs> shoes by the end of the week. Oh, boy. I'm going to go over and you're just going to be soiling yourself and screaming, uh, you know, you're going to be, be screaming like Rosie O'Donnell in okay, uh, okay. The Other Sister. Um, <laughs> so... So zombies are to guys as vampires are to women. And now I have another sure. comparison, which is that bacon is to guys as cupcakes are to women. Oh, no, no. No, because does it seem to you like we're in the midst of some sort of cupcake renaissance at the moment? We are in a cupcake renaissance, but those two do not go together because bacon trumps trumps male, female, gender gender wars, anything. Bacon is the great equalizer. It is the great unifier among cultures and peoples. It is. I would say cupcakes, though, are enjoying a renaissance. I myself am not a cupcake person until I tried Sate Cupcakes cupcakes here right. in town. Like the red, now, with the red velvet? 
I actually, I'm not a fan of the red velvet. They do a hot fudge cupcake. It's a vanilla cupcake. And then they dip it in hot fudge. And then all of her other frostings aren't too sweet. Delicious. Here's the that thing about St. Cupcake. Good. But the, the the extent of my knowledge about St. Cupcake is to this, that uh, Susan Reynolds, who is our uh, marketing guru here, whenever she has to bring in, when it's like a sure. birthday or whatever, she will go there and she'll bring in the whole thing of St. Cupcake, which I've tried. And they're very, and they're very good. Very sweet. A little too sweet for my taste. But St. Cupcake is also the uh, the place on Hawthorne that I ducked into when I was trying to avoid my psychiatrist. Uh, I don't know, like, lack. Uh, two, three, four uh, weeks ago, my wife and I are walking around, and I see my uh, shrink crossing the street. And suddenly I was terrified of running into him in public because... Which I guess, I mean, it sort of oh, indicates maybe, that maybe, maybe I'm we not... we should work on this. Maybe, maybe I'm not done seeing him. <laughs> but I was afraid. He must see a lot of patients, you figure. But I only, you know, I was going to say I only have one shrink. That's not actually true. I only have... Uh, I only have... One that you pay? It's a long story, but I was afraid that he wouldn't recognize me or remember me or that he'd go, oh, hello, R- Rob, Ron, 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 Reggie, and then that I would just have to go home and cry myself to sleep. So I ducked into the first place I could find, which was a sink cupcake, and then he came into the same store, and then I had to back out the door so he wouldn't see my face, and it was the whole thing. Even psychiatrists love cupcakes. Yes, they do. <laughs> All right, we're going to end this now before I sound even crazier. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, which you can read online at Week. Wweek.com. Make sure to come to the free new uh, Best New Band Showcase Saturday at Burbati's. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. Always a pleasure. Kelly Clark. Ladies and gentlemen, straight ahead, we have Tim Riley at the news desk. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO from Led Zeppelin 4, Led Zeppelin, and going to California, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It is 503-228-4101. At this juncture in time, if you are caller 10, you will win yourself a pair of passes to see Richard Cheese, who's going to be performing at Dante's this coming Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, the website is richardcheese.com. But if you are caller 10 right now, it's 503-228-4101 to see Richard Cheese this Saturday, May 9th at Dante's. Coming up at 9, it is our good friend Buzz with I Love the 90s. This, however, at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So the recall has begun for Mayor Adams. Under state law, has to be in office for six months before activists can collect signatures. Well, starting yesterday, they were allowed to collect public donations with the recall campaign. People in Eugene are complaining about a giant O at Hudson Stadium. Oh. Oh. This is an 868-square-foot O that's hanging there for a national television program. They forgot to take it down after the show. It's an O that means Oregon, and it's uh, for the football team. And the townspeople, they're irate. Every time they look out the window, all they can see is a giant O. Really, it seems like there are larger issues that we could be dealing with. <laughs> oh, mean, like your hair snapping off? Seriously, like, yes, yes, sir, exactly. I like your hair snapping off. Or there's uh, Conrad Shiflet, who's uh, causing some controversy at Crumb City Hall in Crumb, Texas. It seemed when he worked at City Hall around 1977 to 2000, someone took a naked picture of him and hit it in the uh, ceiling, and it fell out of the ceiling the other day. I would have to say back 25, 30 years ago. I mean, I'm, I know I ain't done nothing recently. I don't, yes. I don't understand. Wow. What? Someone took a naked picture of him and Why? hit it in the Ew. ceiling. Why would you take a naked picture of to that? Bri- to bribe him. Well, it didn't. <laughs> so anyway, Conrad Shiflett said he had many responsibilities when he worked for the city of Crum. I was in charge of most everything, uh, public works and the streets, the police. Fire. Was I was in charge, charge of fire. fire. <laughs> That's wonderful. What are you? In- I'm in charge of a uh, fire. Char- I'm in charge of spoon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I uh, I'm also in charge. I uh, never mind. I can't top that. Um. So okay, but you say 
to bribe him is the answer to why would you take a naked and, photograph? And, and of that some guy? other employees circulated rumors oh, but, about this, the the existence of this photograph. But but I mean, let's back up for a second. How is it that you would be in a position to take a naked photo? I mean, I understand That's the motivation totally. to yes. take a photograph. You know, in other words, I understand the, the the sort of impetus behind being able to like extort a guy. Right. But how is it that twenty five years ago, before the existence of high technology and cameras and miniature sort of recording devices? Mm-hmm. That you would be able to get a photograph of that guy in the altogether. That's just that strange credulity. That is true. Well, back then, the crumb director of public works, Robert Faulkner, said he was suspended when he got into an argument with Conrad after allegedly accusing him of circulating rumors about the existence of these nude photographs. Three hours and 20 minutes later, I was suspended without my side of the story even being heard. So this is, a bus in the back this is Faulkner and Shiflet. That, that's the crumb bus system. Yeah. <laughs> He's in charge of that. I'm in charge of bus. Excuse me. I got to go take the 49. That's great. Now, Conrad said, yep, his job uh, working for crumb was good, but he doesn't plan to return there ever. Well, I haven't missed it. I really haven't missed it. Okay. Then we have the oldest dog in the world, 21 years old. How do you keep that dog going, lady? We were out for a walk uh, up at the uh, Falcon campground, and out of nowhere, a mountain lion just uh, charged us. I think he was off to the side. <laughs> this might be the wrong soundbite. I... He ducked behind a restroom. I noticed my dog noticed him. I hate to go out on a limb uh, here, but... At that time, he made a charge towards me, and my dog met him right there in the middle, and uh, it was a brutal attack. Uh, my dog started doing circles on the ground, knowing and he was hurt. I ran what up is to him. this? I scared the cat. I don't know. What's <laughs> <laughs> that word dog in it? Oh, it that's says, uh... It says dog one, and I figured I'd be safe in punching it up. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. All right, that's fantastic. Do you want Sharon to... Bristol's experience with other teenagers, you know, the mis- mistake that she had here uh, over a year ago, um, you know, if she could. Prevent one teenager from getting pregnant would be great. If you do squish it, it does have a a, a reaction. It emits a, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people. He's not a mistake at all. He's a blessing, but it's just a lot of hard work, a lot of responsibility. To interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, but he's gay. Sure, squirrels are cute and funny. But those fuzzy-tailed rodents may be hiding more than just acorns. There's a study going on to see what other critters are, well, doing in the local environment. Some top naturalists are hoping to enlist citizen scientists from coast to coast and even Canada to monitor these squirrely beasts. Volunteers don't have to brave the elements to go on a rugged expedition to squirrel watch. Simply gazing out the back window, snapping a few pictures, and jotting down a few notes will do. This is Project Squirrel. Sign up for a squirrel sighting gig at projectsquirrel.org. That's really one step beyond a water skiing squirrel, Tim. God bless you. It's 503. Well, I try to do an impeccable job here every morning. That's because you're in charge of squirrel. Creed Tim. is ready to prove it all again. Don't Can let me stop you. Don't yeah. let me. No, no, no. Just no, pay that off right now. Don't well, tease with Creed, Tim. Well, Creed is back and hoping to reclaim their spot near the top in the rock world. Here's the oh, thing. Boy. is You slipped into permanent redneck mode you after did. that story. I'm hoping. here too. They're hoping. They're hoping and praying and wishing that they can bring the music back to the people when they're touring this fall going to a series of local venues. Singer Scott Strapp tells MTV. I was in charge of most everything. <laughs> public works and the streets, the police. Fire. They're launching their North American tour at the Post Gazette Pavilion in 
Burkittstown, Pennsylvania. Wow. The band also expects to release a new album entitled Fur Full Circle Around That Same Time. Well, Rarely I do we I really haven't missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. That was oh, that was bound to happen eventually. That was like the Hot Wheels track where you have the figure eight and you you play there for, you know with those cars for about six hours and eventually you're gonna come to that same intersection at the same time and the cars will collide. So you went to the I haven't missed it just as I went to the knife guy. All right. Well, it was uh, it was bound to happen. Here's Tim Riley. Well, at the happy odd day. Today is five seven zero nine. With the month, the day, and the year are consecutive odd numbers. Why not go out and celebrate later? And then an awkward silence well, fell I, over the room. I, I, was, I was waiting I was still thinking about the squirrel something. story. We were doing a really good job until about nine minutes ago. What happened that we just immediately, the thread that was holding this show together just came completely unraveled? I don't know, but it is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Tim. Well, a Vancouver Safeway armed robber has uh, demanded drugs instead of cash. Because, well, that's how you get around to Vancouver these days. This suspect described as clean-shaven and white. Held up the Safeway Pharmacy in the Couve last night. Police say he walked in, pulled a handgun, demanded a large quantity of OxyContin. Now, these pharmacy robberies seem to be on the rise, say the Vancouver cops, citing a depressed economy in the Couve. Prescription drug debt is on the increase. We had a couple of them in the last couple of weeks. So beware. Do uh, one more here, and then we will sort of uh, wrap it up as we get ready to turn the show over to our good friend Buzz, uh, who will be in here for Smells Like the 90s at 9. Meanwhile, Ryan O'Neill runs for the paparazzi and screams, Don't chase me. Generally wanted to know how you're doing and everything. Don't chase me. Don't I'm not chasing anybody. Don't chase me. What are you crazy? Don't chase me. What are you nuts? <laughs> I'm not chasing I'll, I'll anybody. Out, Go ahead and knock me out then. If you're going to be that don't, stinky don't about it. Me. Wow. Uh, somebody Not sounds... a good year for Ryan O'Neill. No, he sounds... It's just... never a good deal for Ryan O'Neill, yet he continues to live. Uh, I'm in charge of the uh, the crazy. I was... I was popular back in 68, <laughs> remember me? <laughs> what can you say about a film career that died? That's a 1% joke right there. Uh, it's 503 ladies and gentlemen. Make a note of that. You will need it tomorrow as we give away the week's final pair of Anthony Bourdain tickets. That'll be uh, tomorrow. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum and James Roop, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. The Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Excellent for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians. The gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland, marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds, executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Buzz is in next with Smells Like the 90s at 9. We'll see you again tomorrow at 5 a.m., ladies and gentlemen. Until then, thank you for listening. It is uh, Thursday, May 7th, 2009. And that is The Frequency, Kenneth. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. If you do squish it, it does have a uh, a reaction. Uh, it emits a, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.